Hello, welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. Hey, this is Brian Parker. And we <laughs> are uh, we're, we're a couple guys who talk about awesome TV. And we're going through Rectify uh, episode by episode. We are on episode 204, season two, episode four. As all of you know who've been uh, tuning in, we're super excited to have a special guest today. But we're going to tease that and just leave it there because, Ryan, why don't you run us through this episode called Donald the Normal? Yeah, we're going to hit just the high points real quick uh, to refresh everybody's memory if they've watched the series a long time ago and or even if they watched it yesterday like you and I did. But we've got a couple of key uh, storylines here. Daniel's kind of run away and he's in Atlanta uh, where he has a little bit of anonymity. He goes to an art museum and has an interesting conversation with a few women there about art and, and life. And then he makes a pit stop to Kerwin's mother's house, which good Lord. Uh, super intense. That was one, super of the, intense. one of the more memorable scenes yeah. of the series so far. And we've, uh, as people know, we've had the great privilege of talking to Johnny Ray uh, about his role as Kerwin but but great insight into his mother and brother there. There's still that tension between Teddy Jr. and Tawny, and he's not letting go of her confession to him, um, at least when he's sober. And later towards the end of this episode... He's also, he's also horny when, yeah, he's, when he's not sober. He's also that's right. horny. <laughs> that's right. And at the end of that exchange, right, they've had a couple of friends over for a Sunday lunch, a little barbecue. Teddy's had a little bit to drink. And then he's going to go over to Sheriff Daggett's house to make an interesting confession. We're going to, I know we're going to want to talk a lot about that too and what to make of that. And then, and then you have Amantha who is continuing to deal with her, I think her sense of being unmoored in this community. Like she doesn't know what to do. As we talked about last week, her fight's over or a, a, at least a chapter in the story of her fight for Daniel is over. And she's called between like, does she stay in town or does she go back to Atlanta? And she seems to have made this decision to stick around because she applies for a job at thrifty town as a cashier. So I think kind of four follow tracking four storylines there, Teddy and Tawny, obviously Daniel who's uh, run off to Atlanta, but is back at the end of the episode, starting a full on remodel. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Quite good, right. Yeah. So, uh, Tony, do you want to tee up our guests here? Because we're just going to dive in and talk about this episode and, and how we've gotten here with this very special guest. We have Sheriff Carl on the show with us, which is such a great, such a great honor to have J.D. Evermore on here. And um, who, who's such a I think such a fun, compelling character. And of course, Sneaky this is going to be this is going to be the hardest thing is I want to jump right to that last 5 minutes of this episode cuz oh, I I'm think sure it, <laughs> I think it's awesome. <laughs> but before we get what we got to like we can't we can't. Well thanks for having me first of all guys. Glad to be here and glad you guys are it's honored to be a part of it and glad you guys are enjoying the show man. Yeah, well thank you so much and thanks again for for taking the time to chat with us. JD, I I say this as a fellow a Mississippian. How does a Mississippi boy get on a show like this? Tell me, t- tell us what brought you to the show or what brought the show to you? Yeah. I mean, uh, wow. That's, that's crazy. Uh, you know, uh, 
Well, I, I actually live in uh, just outside of New Orleans now. I have for some years now, but um, uh, most of my family's all you know still in Mississippi. I'm there quite a bit, but but I actually what happened was I I I, uh, I guess I taped an audition originally and sent it off as most of us do nowadays uh, for the initial uh, part of the casting process. And then uh, I wound up getting a call back over in uh, Griffin, Georgia, where we actually shot the show, which is about 40, uh, 40 minutes uh, south of Atlanta, 40 miles south of Atlanta. And um, so I went over there for the callback and God, I really wanted that role. But you know, at the same time, I didn't know it was gonna turn out to be what it became. Uh, in the beginning, it was just a six-episode miniseries. You know, that's that's all we thought it was going to be. It was going to end at that first season. We we never uh, dreamed that it would honestly go any further than that. Uh, but we were so happy that it did. Uh, so so I just you know it was a fairly small part. I was just in the first uh, in a few episodes in the first uh, season uh, in the role. And honestly, I, well, we'll get to that in a second. But so yeah, I went over and read for Ray and the producers. And uh, was just thrilled to get the part, you know, because obviously, I mean, they had been reading actors in L.A. and New York and and everywhere in between for that role. And uh, I was just thrilled to get it. And and, and again, to uh, to see what it became, you know, uh, it was just such an honor to be a part of that show. I mean, I, I, honestly, I love that more than any probably any other job I've ever had. You know, I've got close to around 100 TV credits and film credits and, and Rectify is the only title of any show that I actually have tattooed on my body. <laughs> well, so, let me tell you, that that's saying something, too, because if people check out your, your you know, obviously the, uh, the your IMDb page, I mean, you've been a part of some phenomenal films and TV series. And so to say that, it's just such a credit to, to the show. Right. Yeah. That that and, and and it wouldn't look cool if I had twelve years of slave tattooed somewhere. No. On my body. <laughs> but anyway, you made the wise uh, choice. Uh. But yeah, it's uh, like I said, it was just a. It, I just thought it was going to be a few episodes, small little supporting, uh, recurring role, and in, in, in a great miniseries to begin with, and then uh, was thrilled when it got picked up for a second season, and then a third, and a fourth. Um, just was, it was an experience of a lifetime to be a part of it. It's just unfortunate that more people didn't get to experience the show when it was on, you know, it was Sundance first scripted drama and most people didn't have Sundance or, you know, I mean, we, we didn't have a very large viewership, but, but fortunately more and more people are discovering it, you know, through streaming on Netflix and other avenues, which is nice. Well, JD, I, I, I apologize to our listeners because I've said this to just about every guest we've had on, but the reason we're doing this show is because it just was on a lot of critics' binge lists for COVID. They're like, you've seen The Wire, you've seen The Sopranos, uh, you've seen Breaking Bad. Here's, you know, here's a list of shows you should add to that list, and this is on it. And That's I will great. tell you this, man, every every other guest, every other writer and actor that we've had on so far has said, virtually the, the verbatim same thing that you've said. And that is that Rectify holds a very special place in their heart and their career um, as, as just something that was really, really special. And yeah, it seems to me watch. Oh, and I should also tell you this, man, we are, Ryan and I are being super disciplined about not watching ahead. So we've <laughs> only watched through 204. We don't know. <laughs> we oh, don't so know. You- 
you guys have never literally never seen the show then that's right that's right okay. no we, this is a first oh, we're wow. going through it like live yeah. week by week on the podcast um, you're going to experience uh, almost every range of emotion there is to experience while watching this show i mean there are literally scenes that that take your breath away and, and i mean i'm not that i know that's a saying but i mean it's literally happens in some yeah. scenes in this in this show that i've never really experienced that uh so much with another show well and, we already and, and honestly, we, we, I'm always, yeah. there's always a disconnect with uh with shows that you've worked on because you know you've seen behind the the curtain you know how the magic happens you know there's always this disconnect but when i was watching rectify when it was airing on tv i almost felt like just a, a regular audience member seeing it for the first time and, and i experienced all these emotions that i've never experienced with any other job that i've done hmm. that's part of why it's so special to me you know we we had a little bit of that with that or dream sequence that Daniel has when he's in a coma where he and Kirby are out in that or Kerwin, sorry, are out in that field. And yeah, yeah there are just some really special moments, but I, I again, okay, I'm not going to jump ahead, but the writing, especially in that scene we're going to talk about at the end of 204 is really, really something special. Did you, when, when you're given these scenes, like what well, how how was your interaction with the writing the writers the directors when you were on set what was that well, like well let on me that jump show? back just just a second when you mentioned that scene when when uh, in the dream sequence with, yeah. with him and Kerwin out in the field when he's telling him you got out you know kind of, i mean i had read the script and i just kind of showed up I, I wasn't working that day but i i was driving by and i saw they were shooting out in that in that uh, pecan grove where they shot that scene it was near where i was staying and and i pulled over and I went walking up, uh, and I didn't even have a headset on, so I couldn't even hear the audio. But I, I, you know, just recently read the script. I knew what was being said. And as I was watching them shoot that scene, I mean, I was getting teared up because I'm looking around. There was not a dry eye on that set watching that scene, and I didn't even, I couldn't even hear the dialogue. But I knew what was happening and knew what was being said. And it was such an emotional moment. It was just uh, so moving. And like I said, everybody out there was just just floored, you know, watching them shoot that scene. And uh, okay, and then what was the question again? Well, um, I was just kind of asking about. Okay, I mean that's that's kind of a good lead in, you know, the writing, uh, the direction. Like, what was it like on that set? Was there we we already talked about in season one? Um, there was a little. Who were who we talking to, Ryan? We were talking to um, uh, Michael Fuller Michael and, and Graham. Yeah, and Graham, and we were talking about a scene you were in where, oh, now I'm blanking on his name, but the guy, the the other guy, he fires in a dip right when he says, right, right when you say like, oh, remember we said this, blah, 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 and there's something about cancer, and he fires in a dip. You guys are kind of reminiscing about like being in high school together, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that wasn't in the script we wrote. That was just, that was just, a, <laughs> those guys are just. Those guys were just kind of ad living at that point, but just kind of wondering for for viewers of the show, you know, these scenes you're in, what's Honestly, your inter interaction yeah. like with the script? Well, first of all, I was never so excited as when I knew there was a new script sitting in my inbox and in, in, in my uh, email every week. We we couldn't wait to read the next script. I mean, it was unlike anything I'd read. Uh, when I'm reading a rectify script, it's so it's so amazingly well written and structured, and um, and so we were always so excited to get the script, you know, and the next script and, and to read, and so um, um, but 
and the other thing is, I mean, the writing is so well done that, you know, the, with some shows, you know, you, you, you improvise a little bit, you know, throw in a line here or there. And that very rarely, rarely happened on Rectify. I mean, you stuck to the words on the page. The only time that we altered uh, from that was if we were shooting a scene, sometimes we'd be shooting a scene and it, we would, you know, we'd cut and we'd get together with the director and Ray, the writer, producer, and we, we just felt like it wasn't working. Something wasn't working. Something was off. And we just, you know, if we couldn't put a finger on it, we would play around until we figured out what, you know, the best way to go forward with this scene. And so it might just be a tweak here, a line of there, or, or an action, sometimes an action even just. But, uh, but for the most part, we, I mean, the script was perfect in my mind, you know, every word. I mean, it was just, it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful poetry, you know, in motion basically. Yeah. Closely related to that too. And I'm glad you that Tony took us here with that question. You know, we talked a little bit about the sheriff's character and that, that what we, what we see already when you, when you talk about the range of emotions and breathtaking, all that, we've experienced that so far, but we're also dealing with the show that has some of the most authentic settings, just yeah. believable cast, the character, development the choices that they made along the way you know when we first meet sheriff daggett you know he in one of those early scenes he's following a around right and, he, and you kind of get in your mind you're like oh this guy's going to be part of the problem right we get to episode I had that same thought yeah, yeah we get to the second episode and we're like oh no or the third especially second third episode of the second season and obviously I, we have so much more to go uh, in front of us tony and i do but Already, we can see this major shift in him to say, "No, he may he may be part of the solution." I want to yeah, you know, comment on or what you saw in just a, across two seasons of of this character. So, all right, well, it it, it evolved, you know. Uh, with the first season, I didn't know, and, and and Ray didn't tell me, you know, Ray didn't tell me anything other than what was for the most part what was on the page, and uh, he would he would just kind of leave you hanging with that. But uh, but you know, I. I, in my mind, in the first season, you know, I come off as a bit of, my character comes off as a bit of an a-hole in the first season, honestly, you know. And, uh, and, and a lot of people don't like my character in the first season, but they, then they come around after that uh, at some point to uh, like my character more and more. But uh, in my mind, I question, did, did Daggett have something, some role to play in this? You know, because he was a young, uh, it's referenced, uh, if not already at some point it's referenced that I was a young deputy, uh, when it all went down, uh, I wasn't allowed to be pretty much on the scene at the murder. I was out directing traffic on the road, you know, kind of thing, you know, while the, the sheriff and the other guys were handling what was, you know, the, the investigation over there at the scene of the murder and whatnot. So I was just a young rookie deputy at the time, but you know, but that being the case, there's chances are that I probably hung out out there where they, the kids would drink, you know, at the, at the location. It was, you know, one of those spots where the teens would go and hang out and drink and party on a Friday or Saturday night out at the river, you know, outside of town. Uh, and so there's a chance. So I think, think in my head, there's a chance that, you know, I could have been friends or involved, you know, in some way with the rape and murder and, um, and trying to cover that up. So I, I didn't know. I mean, I would ask Ray and he just, he wouldn't really tell me, you know, 
And so I just, so I just played it the way I thought, you know, I should play it that first season. But then as we, you get each script and you read more and more into the story and to the and more and more layers unfold of the whole story, you begin to realize, no, I think this guy's genuinely, he's a genuinely a good guy trying to do the right thing. He's in a tough, really tough situation. Obviously he's been thrust into with Daniel coming home and, you know, half the town thinking he's still thinking he did it. And, and many people thinking he didn't or whatever, wherever you fall on that spectrum. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it just kind of evolved as we went, you know, with well, that's an story. interesting, that's an interesting comment. And I know Tony's probably got another question for us, but I think, you know, one of the things that we see when you talk about uh, the sheriff being in a difficult position, and I'm not going to go too political here, but uh, when, when you make a decision in a place like Polly, for example, in the fictional small Georgia town, right. like the real world that may run counter to the kind of dominant, more conservative culture, you really do put yourself at risk in ways that I think people who live in more, uh, quote unquote, diverse or progressive communities don't quite understand. Right. And, and we see that with the sheriff is his job could be on the line, but his life could also be on the line in a real way. Right. Yeah. I mean, people who look it, like him, right. Like right. They, they came out to the woodshed, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And, and you notice, I believe it was in the first episode of the second season when me and my deputy are out there, uh, Lid Comfrey, De- deputy Lid Comfrey are out there at the scene at the cemetery where his, you know, um, beating took place. Um, I think I referenced that. Yeah. I'm, I'm up. He, or he says I'm up for reelection. So I've got a reelection coming up soon. So yeah, the, the my job is definitely going to be on the line however i play this and um and and as well as possibly my life you know like you said so he's in a really tough spot but at the same time i you know he generally wants to do the right thing which can be very difficult at times i i wonder how being from the south informed your um informed your acting in this taking on this role I'm not a Southerner. You two guys are a couple. I'm talking to a couple of Mississippians. So, um, you know, there's this, uh, Ryan and I have talked about this in past episodes, but there's obviously a great uh, legacy history of, of Southern writing, you know, and I think in, in some ways Rectify plays on a lot of those same themes. Right. We think of in the, like the great American uh, Southern writing, but I wonder... What, how that was on your mind as you're trying to kind of embody a small town Georgia sheriff? Well, you know, I mean, uh, well, there was a comfort in it knowing that it all felt so real. Like you said, the, the script and the characters and the setting, everything felt so real. And, and you could obviously tell that these are real Southern, uh, mostly, well, Ray is a Southern writer. That It, it was his baby. He was guiding the project. Because so often you have writers that write a Southern piece and they're not from the South and they just don't really get, uh, they don't fully get it, you know, uh, or, the, you know, the writing can be full of these cliches and things that it, um, most Southerners immediately are like, uh, nah, whatever. But, uh, but so there was a comfort in it, you know, because the writing was so well done, but it was, it, it, it felt so real and true to the, uh, being a Southern piece and a Southern story. But at the same time, you know, it's got this uh, universal appeal with the story as well, uh, as much Southern writing does. Many, my, uh, many things, many writers in the South are, you know, beloved around the world, not just in the South or in Mississippi. But um, 
but I, I don't know. It just felt really comfortable being a part of it. And, you know, I kind of saw the character, honestly, as a modern, uh, I know this sounds weird, but I, I kind of saw him as a modern day Andy Griffiths type character. You know, I mean, obviously Mayberry's changed a lot in, in you know, it's not like it used to be. So he's got a lot more uh, crazy things to deal with other than, you know, uh, what's his name throwing uh, rocks through the windows and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, Ernest the T. One, the one but, town uh, drunk. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, Otis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but I, I kind of saw him, uh, channeled him as a, in a way as a modern day Andy Griffith in a way. Uh, not so much in the first season because I thought I'm thinking, you know, he was, he might have been a bad guy. You know, I might have been involved with this somehow because I didn't know. But uh, but it, it kind of evolved into that after the first season. Hey, before we get to uh, this episode 204, there is a pretty intense scene you were a part of earlier in the season. And that's when you go, you're, the sheriff goes to question Daniel. And basically, he's, you know, he's found the guilty party for the cemetery beating that ends season one. Oh, yeah. And, Daniel basically refuses to and Ryan, yeah Ryan and I talked a lot about this like is, is Daniel he, there, there there's some part of him that seems to think he deserves it even if he's not ultimately responsible for the rape and murder of his high school girlfriend the fact that right. her brother would uh, beat him almost to death he, he almost seems like you know he's he's harbors no ill will but he he has this intense scene back in the kitchen with amantha after the sheriff leaves saying like what good basically what good would it do like this is just a vicious cycle right it's just a vicious cycle it's just gonna it's gonna keep going back and forth you know if you push back it's gonna you know it's just gonna go back and forth and escalate and so and, and and like you said i almost feel like he felt like he deserved it in a way but of course the sheriff wants guilty people to go to jail so right i I mean uh, that that scene then i mean there's there's two scenes in that episode one where you confront daniel and you leave the house very frustrated Mm -hmm. uh and then there's another one of course where you're in the in the jail and you know you oh yeah and i go see him uh you have a a little speech so that was uh, we we uh, you know i don't know if you have any reflections on those that interaction it's hard. It's been so long. It's hard for me to recall exactly what I said in the jail with him. Uh, but I remember that scene. But uh, how did it end? There was something. Well, you're said. like you say you, you you the sheriff says something like in as he unlocks the you know he unlocks the jail. He basically gives the kid a speech. Oh yeah, saying, saying you know like you're what are you going to do with your life? You're going to jail for a long time. Blah blah blah. And then he he's basically like no, actually, you know. Daniel decided not to press charges. He opens up the jail cell door right. as the kid's walking away. You're like, in some cultures, you would owe him. You know, like, he, he basically gave your life back. You would be indebted to him. And But, but he basically says, but not, not, not in, in this culture. Not in this world. Yeah, something like <laughs> right. that. I remember now. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. And yeah, so, well, you know, I, in a way, I can't blame him either because, you know, he believes that Daniel killed his sister and yeah. you know i can't i can't even imagine what that would be like uh how i would feel I but mean, it's interesting in the writing that sheriff carl gets put in in the role of kind of being the moral voice of the show i mean daniel at this point 
is not really a moral voice of the show. He's like almost a nihilist. Right. Like what good right. is it going to do? But if, you know, guilty people go to jail, non-guilty people go to jail, it, it makes no difference. I'm not right. going to press I'm, charges. And I'm trying and, to get people to do the right thing. Right. And the sheriff. Like yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, um, that's just an interesting part of the evolution of your character, at least to this point. It's just one of those uh, interesting things uh, like you know, that happens over and over in this script where you don't, the, the unexpected happens. You're just like, oh my God, did that just really happen? <laughs> You're not, you know, there's, there's so many unexpected things in the writing and with the show. One of yeah. those clearly being two Southern men trying to talk about coffee grinds in somebody's <laughs> nether regions, which simultaneously the most intriguing a scene in the series of like why is this happening what's what's teddy jr hoping to get out of and hilarious uh, uh yeah I, I gotta know like when you when you had that line uh did the coffee grounds matriculate down right. your crack Come did you on. how many times did it take you to deliver that line with a straight face you know we did crack up a little bit uh obviously shooting that's a crack up part of the pun but uh it, it was the other pun in hindsight really carl that was good. yeah <laughs> that was good. yeah uh, yeah we but we tried to get it all out in the read through while we're trying to you know before we started actually rolling camera and once we started rolling camera we we got serious with it you know but we did laugh about it a, a good bit in the beginning and then of course i teased uh, him about it uh in this what was it i said oh the best part of waking up is Folgers <laughs> in your butt. <laughs> dude, he had, he said, dude, when I, I, couldn't I, make I, it. I, I think I'd left that message, that voicemail for him right after the show aired. And he's like, dude, uh, you've got my whole damn family singing that to me now. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, but uh, yeah, we cracked up quite a bit. Uh, but like I said, once we got to rolling and getting into the scene, we, we tried to steer clear of that. It was, I think it was one of those days where we had a lot going on and it's just, you know, you're trying not to get behind too much with, uh, another pun, uh, another pun. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, I don't want to be an a-hole, but no. Uh, so yeah, we, 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 we got it out. We tried to get it out before we actually rolled camera. Uh, that yeah, was and, and just get through that scene the, because we knew it was going to be tough. Sheriff Sh Sheriff Carl and Teddy Jr. have a they have a interesting relationship. Like they're a little bit uh, they're obviously kind of of the same generation, right? Um, and you know, as a viewer, not only I really did laugh out loud because it was a funny scene played really straight by both characters, mm. but. Um, I think Sheriff Carl at that point is the, in the same position of the viewer of like why Teddy, again, here's another example of somebody doesn't want to press charges. It's right. almost like the sheriff is just like the priest taking the confession. The he can't yeah. do any, anything with it. Like, Well, you know, he did come to see, and I do feel like he and, and, and Carl have a, a, a bit of a history. They go back. They're probably, you know, we're, you know, friends. And uh, and have known each other quite a bit, and plus, you know, we we bought all of our tires for the department from the family, and so we've spent quite a bit of time around each other, I'm sure. But uh, you know, it's got to be weighing heavy on Teddy because at that point, no one knows but he and Daniel. I mean, he he hasn't told anyone, but he, it's just driving him crazy. He has to confess to someone, and it's like, who am I going to tell this? You know, I can't tell Tony, I can't tell my family. You know, God bless. I can't tell Amantha, but um, 
but anyways, I guess, so he decides to come tell me and unburden himself with what happened. But at the same time, he doesn't want to press charges. And I'm like, what the hell, man? <laughs> and I guess, you know, he trusts that I'm not going to say anything and I'm not going to tell you guys what happens. We just have to figure that out I, eventually. But. I want to, yeah, I, on that same scene, I, I'd love to ask if there was anything in the, um, in the Rectify Bible about like the backstory of the sheriff because that was a scene where Teddy comes and unburdens himself on the sheriff. Sheriff Carl already seems like he's somebody who's got a lot weighing on him. You know, he's just kind of yeah. always seems like his shoulders are sloped. He's yeah. it's it, there's a heaviness about him. We right. we see the inside of his house for the first time. It's right. nothing special. It doesn't seem like he's got a wife and kids in the house. Right. It, it seems kind of like a sad, lonely existence for the for Sheriff Carl. Yeah, we never really address that. Uh, I mean, I wear a wedding band, but we never actually see. Uh, I think I was wearing a wedding band in that scene, but I don't wear it when I'm in uniform. And reason being is uh, it can get caught on your gun or something like that. So a lot of officers don't wear them uh, sometimes, but or caught, uh, caught for one reason or another. But, um, but, uh, so we never, we never did establish my wife or, or kid, but, but supposedly he did have a wife and child, but maybe they were out shopping or somewhere, uh, in that, in that moment. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, he's just got a lot weighing on him because, you know, he's obviously kept up with this case over the years and no one ever expected Daniel to come home. You know, I mean, I, he, he probably wouldn't be so burdened in, 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 uh, if Daniel had been executed and never came home. But, you know, it was just a, a throwing a wrench into the machine of the whole town when he was released and allowed to come home. And then I've got to, uh, you know, walk the line between half of the town that thinks this man should be dead and the other town that are, you know, sympathizing with him that believe, you know, he didn't do it. And so, uh, yeah, he's got a lot weighing on him. JD, it feels like I know this. I, I, I'm not trying to put you in a in an impossible position here because, as Tony said, we're we're just following along, you know, episode by episode. But I texted Tony last night when we finished watching it, and I said, you know, this kind of feels like a a launch pad of an episode from a narrative perspective. Where I don't know why Teddy Junior's telling the sheriff this, but it feels like there's something. There's an element of that exchange between them that feels like they're conspiring or could be conspiring to something that yeah place over the yeah. next I mean I, I, they kind of look at each me, other yeah people have asked me uh what, what do you what do you see your character you know after the end of the show where where would you see your what do you think Sheriff Daggett goes on to do or this you know where do you see him in 10 years and I and I've kind of joked that I see him and Teddy going into business together I'm not going to say good. what business but maybe another tire store or something but but after he shared that, you know, cause I feel like they, you know, even though it's not established, I feel like there is some uh, history with the two of them in some way, but you know, and, and you'll see that later on in the show as well. Uh, there's a scene, there's a moment in the very end of the show. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say what, but, but there's a moment when I go to see him and uh, we have a moment there in the tire store uh, towards the end. But, but yeah, I could see them going on, and uh, you know, after the sheriff gets out of, uh, after he's not sheriff anymore, uh, him, him, possibly him and Teddy going into business together. Yeah, you know? God knows Teddy needs a willing business partner. He's just hitting nose <laughs> at every. I know. His, his friends, <laughs> his business is going to work. His dad doesn't want to work with him. 
on the right. I, did, I did find that interesting, Ryan. This th- that his uh, buddy from the you know tire conference that they were at mm-hmm. in season one now basically expresses skepticism at his business plan too. Like if there's anybody who should be all in on his business plan, it's the other tire guy and the other young tire guy who who's basically like, you're crazy. This isn't going to work. Right. Which uh, was an interesting, uh, I think that was twist. just part of writer's choice to add to heap more frustration onto Teddy, you know, yeah. Yeah. possibly. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly why, but, but uh, I think that was maybe just a writer's choice to add more, you know, yeah. frustration for him. He's like, he doesn't have enough already, but even his tire buddy thinks he's crazy for doing that, you know? But, yeah. Before you know? we go to, I, I want to say there, there's one, there, there, I did have one thought with in that extended scene with Daniel in Atlanta at the, yeah. obviously when he goes to Kerwin's house, it's very intense and, and uh, I, emotionally I, powerful. I, I got, I got all choked up again watching that scene. I yeah, just watched it absolutely. before we got on the phone uh, on here. And I mean, I had seen it since 2014 and, and I mean, I started getting choked up from the moment, you know, Aldous Hodge opens the front door and, yeah. and calls his mom. I'm like, Oh gosh. And yeah, I was choked up all through that. Yeah, yeah. me too. I Such a powerful I, I teared up. But but what I thought earlier in the in the um museum, that extended museum scene with the older woman who befriends him and then he sits and has and he lies about who he is, which is a little bit of a breakthrough for him because he wants to be, you know, right. he doesn't doesn't want to be Daniel. But I thought he's really immature. Like you see in that scene how stunted his Right, his emotional growth is like he lived in books for eighteen and a half years and on death row, so he knows a lot of stuff, but he still doesn't really know how to interact with Socially, other people who are people. like asking him questions. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was very interesting. Uh, he 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 obviously yeah he has problems uh, interacting with people socially because he, for the longest time he just spoke through someone through the grate in the wall you know without even having to see them face to face other than the yeah. guards at his window or whatever and, uh, and even if you notice he's wearing he's he's wearing his pajama pajama top tops yeah under I did his notice vest that. and coat it's almost <laughs> like he's so uncomfortable being out in the world that he still had to wear his pajama top uh, under his his, uh, you know, vest and coat to make him as almost like a security blanket, you yeah, know? Yeah. 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 He was so uncomfortable being out there in the, in the real world. But at the same time, he still was brave enough to step out there and do it, you know, which was pretty amazing. Uh, my mom, she just left a little bit ago. She was here for the weekend. I told her, I just watched that episode. So, oh my God, that was my favorite episode. She uh, loved it when she went, when Daniel went to Atlanta, went to the art museum and to see Kerwin's mom and all that. But, yeah. Yeah. But, um, JD, we've, We've been recording this um, and really started it during this whole pandemic. And, you know, it, it obviously freed up time for us to do this a little bit for, for a lot of people to come on. And uh, yeah. I wonder if as, you know, we're, we continue to move through it and, and in the midst of it, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what you uh, have been doing, what you uh, maybe what you wrapped before covid and if you have any you know anything you're excited about coming out that we can we can recommend people uh that you've yeah been doing? Well, actually uh i did i did two films uh right well not right before covid but uh, i did two films right uh at the end of the last year and kind of funny they're both uh sort of a small town church family football movies i mean they're not like faith-based films but they're but it's church family football kind of films and 
Yeah. And, but they're completely different stories. And one I did over in Thomasville, Georgia, and then one I did in Hammond, Louisiana. And, and I wanted to do both and I was worried I was going to have to pick one, but it, amazingly the schedule worked out where I that basically bounced back and forth between Thomasville and Hammond to, be, to do both of them. And the one in Hammond is a, a it was actually, it's a, it's a, it's called Palmer. Now they may change the title before the release, but it's called Palmer. It was on the, uh, I think it was the 2016 or 17 blacklist. Oh, the wow. script was and uh and uh starring justin timberlake and it's it's a really beautiful story um and i, I and i actually play a, a good guy in that one thank goodness i play an elementary school principal who gives uh, justin's uh, character a break he'd just gotten out of a long stint in prison and so he's come home um he was like a high school star quarterback and had a scholarship you know to, uh Played football in college, but hurt his back and came home and got addicted to pain pills and then did something really stupid and and wound up getting sent to prison for like a decade and and so he's come back home and, and uh, it's, it's a it's it's a really sweet story and uh and a story I think more mo- a lot of people need to see and hear but uh, he he uh, I don't want to go into it too much because I don't know uh, I don't and know how they're going. And that yeah. you were doing that alongside or right after, uh, is that quiet in my town? I'm just looking at your. Oh yeah. Quiet in my yeah. town. Uh, that was, uh, also, uh, that was actually going to be a feature film. We shot it as such, but, uh, when I talked to the director recently, I uh, asked him how the film was coming. He said, well, we don't have a film anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, <laughs> honestly, I shot like three hours and 50 minutes of incredible footage. He overshoots everything. And, uh, and so he, uh, basically, you know, the COVID, uh, pandemic gave him time to reevaluate it as he was editing it. I mean, he sent me a beautiful trailer. It just looks so amazing and it's only a million dollar budget film, but, uh, but it looks so, so incredible. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so he's been talking to a lot of the streamers lately. And, uh, basically he said, look, I- I've decided that I want to make this a five to six episode miniseries. And uh, he said, I, I just need to get you guys, uh, some of the, you and some of the other main cast over here and for about maybe 15 more days of shooting to get other stuff that I'll need to make it work. And um, so I'm like, absolutely, that'd be great. Uh, I'm, I'm all game. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, amazing story also. Both and, of both, and both of those are kind of on the indie side, right? Like, uh, right. We'll look yeah. at distribution and we can, we can kind of track those and, and point people to those when they're available. Yeah, quiet in my town, and then uh, Palmer, and, and again they may change they may change some of the titles. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, they're they're uh, they're I think they're they're going to both be uh, really good films, or well, one's a, a series now, a mini series, right? But, uh, and I play uh, I play the police chief in Quiet in My Town, and he's a bit of a jerk. Uh, I don't, uh, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but uh, there's some really disturbing scenes with him in there. Tony, any any last words about? I I, I just want to say and, thanks. And, yeah, this is yeah. great. I mean, I really like. I I just got to say that I, if I look at the cast of characters uh, in Rectify, I think I associate most with Sheriff Carl. Oh well, I mean that's who I think I would be in the yeah. <laughs> middle aged guy trying to kind of make it and uh, yeah trying to find the right way to do things in, uh, in, there's still some great characters to come along that you haven't met yet. Oh, awesome. Yeah. There's some really great characters. And, uh, and like I said, that, I mean, ah, man, there's some amazing stuff ahead for you guys. I don't know if you saw it, but you know, like you said, a lot of the critics had us, 
Well, a lot of the critics had us in their best series of the past decade when they yeah. came in their list at the end of 2019. And uh, Tim Goodman at the Hollywood Reporter had us ranked at number two best series of the past decade on his list. And then there was also an article that came out last year. You can probably find it online. It was uh, the 50 greatest seasons of TV, according to critics, not fans, uh, according to critics. And uh, so it would list like, you know, seasons such and such of Breaking Bad, seasons you know, such and such of The Wire, they all ranked. And season two that you guys are on right now was ranked number 48 on the list. Wow. It was pretty awesome. And then um, season four, our final season, believe it or not, was ranked number one. No kidding. Yeah, which is crazy. Oh, man, that's <laughs> awesome. One. And, uh, and I think it was season three or season five of Breaking Bad was number two on that list. That's but, awesome. uh, but you know what, they may have edited it because there was, there was a little bit of outcry and I think they may have flip-flopped the positions and, and given Breaking Bad <laughs> number one spot and us number two, because so many people were outraged because they had never seen Breaking Bad. They're like, right. what is this fresh hell? I've not, what? Number one? No. So I don't know. They may have flip flopped that position, but it, at one time I've got it. I've got it screen capped on my phone. I've got the picture. <laughs> That's awesome. It. It was number one. That's uh, awesome. Number one greatest show of all uh, season of all time TV. Well, so man, we would love to if if you got the you know since we're all locked down. If you got free time, in uh, I suppose it'll be in a I don't know a month or two when we're on season four. We'd love to have you back on for some episode that Sheriff Carl plays a big part in. Love to, man. Love to. Yeah. Really appreciate actually, the time. Actually, yeah. uh, season four, uh, Sheriff Carl didn't have near as much time, but season three was okay. all Sheriff Carl. I Is mean, so right? much so that everybody had their rap t-shirts was a, a, a big bad sheriff's badge and, uh, with uh, Polly Sheriff uh, on it. And then uh, number three, it's like a baseball jersey with number three on the back for season three. So that was kind of cool. Well, maybe then, maybe when we're at the end of season three, season three. It, it'd be great be to... Idea have you yeah. come back and talk about that whole season and well like we said before i mean we're it's such a brilliant show and great writing and acting that you didn't we're say doing anything a- about the music what about the music oh man? my god dude the music not, yeah i mean no i've music. never i've never shazammed so many songs right in it's a show as this there is a i should tell people and we can put this in the show notes there is a spotify playlist oh, um is it? for of all the rectify music yeah oh wow Some, i didn't know that. yeah somebody did a spotify playlist for that so oh, you can great. and it's so eclectic man it's all over the yeah. place yeah there's it's really yeah it's, it's amazing soundtrack and, and and uh score uh gabriel mann who also did a modern family uh, uh score uh, scored the uh the show he's he's amazing and then the the, the, uh, the and then the musical selections the pieces that they pick just I loved it. Yeah. Uh, unlike anything I've watched before. That's cool. But anyway, well, you guys have a great day. Stay safe. Thanks. Guys. Thanks. Thanks so much for the time. All right. All right man. Talk to you, you soon. Later. All right. Take it easy. Hey, all right. This is uh, Tony and Ryan. That was JD Evermore. He plays Sheriff Carl in Rectify. What a great joy to have him on. Thank you so much for listening to Killer Serials, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>